longer than usual. There, okay, there it is. Brent Leary here, and once again, I'm still sheltering in place here in Atlanta, Georgia. I think I've been doing this for the last four and a half, five months. But luckily for me, I have a lot of great people to talk to and a lot of great subjects to talk to or talk about. And today is definitely the case here because with me right now is Francis Carden. Francis is the VP of Digital Automation and Robotics for Pega. Francis, thank you for joining me. Hey, it's my pleasure. What else have I got to do? <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> I guess so. Today, yeah, you're priority number one, Brent. You're priority number one. I've been waiting all my life to hear that. So thank you very much. <laughs> no, let's, oh, talk a about, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the RPA. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing with RPAs in terms of releasing X-Ray. And you can tell us about how bots can actually self-heal. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, but maybe just give us a little bit of a background as to what you kind of what your role is at Pega. Sure. Yeah. As, uh, as many will know and attest, I, I was one of the founders of an RPA company called OpenSpan back in 2005 that was acquired by Pega in 2016. Um, and even before that, I had another software company that was doing automation and GUIs on top of mainframe applications. So, you know, it seems to have followed me everywhere I've gone. Um, it's all called RPA now for some reason. I'm not going to debate the reason, but it seems to help some companies raise a lot of money. Um, and, and, you know, my role at Pega since the acquisition is obviously initially was to integrate the technology and the terminology and the people and the, and the business process into, into Pega. But equally, the reverse is to ingest all the things that Pega has been doing to bring together a truly intelligent automation story that may or may not include RPA. Um, so that, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of RPA is, you know, is pushed very heavily by people that typically only do RPA. But we have a lot of tools in our toolbox, uh, a lot of powerful ways to intelligently automate process and um, and capabilities. So we have a lot to choose from with our tech. All right. And you said just before we, we got on the broadcast here that you have been doing this since when? Yeah, it's 40 years. I, I know. It's, I look so young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you do. No, That's I, a long time. <laughs> Well, I started when I was 17. I joined a computer company and I was programming keystrokes and macros in, you know, dumb terminals. It was like, you know, just to speed things up. I was getting bored of rekeying stuff. So I just press F1 and F2 and then did that. And then, and then I started a terminal emulation automation business back in 1988. I was going back even further. Sorry, not further, but going back a long time still. Um, and I sold that in 2001. And then we started this RPA company. It was known as Desktop Automation then, but we started that at, at, at RPA company in 2005. So yeah, I've been doing it a long time. Absolutely. You had another name before it was called RPA. What did you just call it? Um, well, so we had a number. Desktop Automation was for the attended RPA, and we called it Automation Broker for unattended RPA. Um, but then I think it was Blue Prism and HFS kind of pulled it together as a term RPA. And then suddenly, because it was called robotic, everybody wanted it. It was like, just give it a name. And it suddenly it's like a rebirth. It's amazing. Well, it sounds like everybody does want it because looking at the Gartner uh, market size for our RPA, and it looks like they're tracking at $2.35 billion for this year. But it says by 2027. That 2.35 billion is going to go up to roughly 25 billion. So it's almost like an 11 fold increase over the next uh, six or seven years. So we've been throwing around the, the three letters RPA. 
could you just give us a high level definition of what it is and you know actually what are those three letters what do they stand for and what is it actually uh, it stands for robotic process automation and about a million things underneath it depending upon who you speak to um, to me, it primarily started life as automating applications that run typically on Windows machines uh, on desktops. And sometimes you could automate them 100% and move those desktops to a VM and they all run by themselves, lean a lot covered, right? Properly governed and secured, hopefully. But And then, you know, attended RPA was basically you put it on the desktop and it would automate alongside a human. So you, you could improve the human's performance by 20 to 40 to 50%, but if you get to 100%, you don't need the human, so you would move it to the server room and you'd automate. But predominantly to me, what it started out as, it's morphed into some very different things, not necessarily rightly, but RPA was predominantly automating someone else's user interface, the keyboard, the mouse, the screen, because it doesn't change a process, it just automates the as-is process. And then of course it got you know, yeah, throw some AI at it, that suddenly makes it uniquely different or throw some, you know, uh, API integration in it. But then to me, those things aren't really RPA. You know, everybody should have their own sandbox on, on the tech capability in the tech. But once it got given a name, robotic, um, investors jumped on it like you you just, well, everybody I mean, knows the history for that. Billions of dollars got, got invested into it. But if you're automating a UI, you're basically saying, oh, the old processes are fine, you know? No, they're not. <laughs> you're just keeping them alive for longer. You're adding to the debt, right? I think one of the analysts calls it a tax on legacy. It's so true. And so for the years I've sold very successful large implementations of RPA, I never turned around to anybody and said, oh, it's transformational. It's going to change your life. It's going to change the way you do business. No, it's an operational improvement benefit. And whilst you're on maybe you could use some of that money that you save you can improve customer service you can improve you know task completion times but better you use some of that funding to go and actually transform your business but you know it's turned into something apparently much more than it is and i don't believe that's actually even that's right uh you've got intelligent automation which is a myriad of technologies which includes rpa and RPA typically should be used as a bridge to transform your business. Because any business that's not transforming and just band-aiding stuff together with RPA is not going to be competitive a year or two or three from now, right? Because their peers are truly transforming their businesses and don't need RPA or very little of it. And that's got to be ultimately the goal. Nobody really wants screen scraping, right? Mm. Not a sexy name, let's put it like that. Um, well, it's sexy when it's called robotic, though. <laughs> Billions of dollars at stake there. Uh, so talk about intelligent automation. I guess that's where people look at digital process automation and, and maybe the intelligent aspect is why people look to this as part of digital transformation. Yeah, so I, I like to take a step back and think about work, right? Work that a human does at the desktop, right? That's really what we're focused on because we're not talking about necessarily APIs and the other stuff that's done that's, you know, we can talk about that later because it's part of this. But predominantly RPA or the work that gets done by a human, it's it, there's a start point, you know, it might be a, a mortgage loan application, it might be a call because they're complaining that their, their network keeps going down or their mobile phone keeps breaking, whatever it might be, a call comes in and then ultimately there's an outcome. And then, you know, if all you do is automate the existing way you solve that outcome, all the underlying debt stays around, it's, you know, it's not a digital process. Intelligent automation says, let's rethink how we want that outcome to occur. We want it to happen faster. We want it to, to, to you know, reach out to the customer before they call us. All of those things start to, to really evolve if you think about it intelligently automating a process. 
is not about automating the as is, but automating almost the wannabe. Where would you like as a business that process? If you was to start a new company today, you don't go out and buy 6,000 legacy systems and use RPA to turn yourself into a digital business. You typically build or you buy some technologies and you build a digital business. And so you are intelligently automated from the ground up. And RPA is basically trying to not intelligently automate you from the top down. And so it's a matter of using the right technologies. And what's what's put people off in the past from being able to digitally transform a process is some things are just hard to do. And so technically, you might get a, such a roadblocker, you might as well just use RPA. But what we believe is you can automate much of the process using intelligent automation, whether that's low code or whether that's... Um, you know, uh, design thinking to re-engineer re re a process or case management, and then use RPA to plug the gaps that would have prevented you getting further along the digital transformation story. And then think about replacing those RPA bots. We've got customers that build bots only if there's an end of life strategy for them, right? I mean, that's very forward thinking and very creative and very right, right? That's pretty Does interesting. Does that make, that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. I'm popping up a, a comment that uh, one of my buddies, uh, Alan Burton over at Freshworks has mm -hmm. on this subject. You know, it also sounds like RPAs, you know, they, they're great for, like you said, automating routine kind of mundane tasks. Uh, and if, if, those, if the processes that are making up those routine automated, I mean, those routine tasks are bad processes, like you said, it just speeds up the failure, you know, and makes the failure more consistent in, 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 in achieving as long as you run the, those processes. But right. you know, when it comes to actual transformation that's in, in intelligence, that's where I guess the umbrella of DPAs come in. Yeah, so listen, we both lived this in this world for a long time. It, to automate a process properly, i.e. to rethink it, reimagine it, Everybody thinks that's a big ticket item. It's going to take many, many years. You know, BPM was known as like it's 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 going to take forever. Right? It's like ERP. I mean, that, that's the worst one. But you know, everybody yeah. thought it was so big. Right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, oh, we'll implement an ERP system in six months, or we'll digitize a process in three. People never believed it, and the reason that business turns at RPA is because they didn't believe it. There was a conflict between IT. We're too busy. We're keeping. We're just keeping the lights on. And business said, "Well, we need to." improve the process, right? Or at least improve the operational performance of an existing process. But what's changed, DPA, intelligent automation, is that there are new technologies that do not require you to rebuild a process from scratch in years. You can do them in weeks. We've got customers rebuilding processes properly in days and weeks. Um, and that may or may not include RPA. Often it does not, but it's there if you if you need it. But if you think about an RPA vendor that's raised all this money, they have to push RPA. That's their license revenue. Now, what they've done is they've said, well, let's add some intelligence to RPA. Let's add OCR and some AI around document reading and, start, and let's add some API integration. It's like, well, that's then not RPA. That's the stuff we've always had, maybe done better than before. Give, give everybody that. But I do not believe a digital transformation platform should be built on screen scraping. No enterprise, no CTO I've ever met says, yeah, yeah, we're going to go and buy a screen scraping platform or okay, be fair, an RPA platform to digitally transform my business. It doesn't happen. Hmm. And so low code for me is the movement and underpinning low code is that citizen developers and IT can collaborate together to, re to look at a process and say, how can we improve this process dramatically, right? Almost throwing away the, the existing and just say, well, imagine that, 
we were allowed to you know, dream and this is what my perfect process would look like. And then you, a few buttons later, you've actually said, well, we can start to do that in these days and weeks instead of these years. And that's what we're seeing. It's almost a competition. It's, it's, it's almost now cheaper to build a new process than it is to use RPA to plug the old one. Because if you take into account the cost of bot maintenance, if you take into account the cost of maintaining those legacy systems and the infrastructure required to do it and IT and QA and everything else, but if you take a step back and say, well, again, to my point earlier, you, you as a new digital business don't buy those legacy systems, but you manage to build a digital business. So that, like you say, they're never the twain shall meet, but that twain's meeting now, right? You are literally seeing companies, and, and we saw it through COVID as well. We saw lots of RPA vendors going out there building some bots, which, you know, kudos to everybody who contributed to helping, you know, for, through this pandemic. But we also saw a massive number of companies with Pega building applications from scratch in days, like loan applications in days, instead of band-aiding an existing loan application with RPA, we were actually building brand new loan applications where banks could put those online so that people could apply for a loan, the loan be processed. And when you talk about building an application in a week or two, people don't believe you, but it's true now. That's DPA or intelligent automation. Do you see a lot of people uh, saying digital transformation and trying to figure out the fastest way to, you know, kind of move away from manual to having some kind of automation. Uh, and it's mostly about just taking what we have and making it more efficient, even if it's not, you know, looking at how we can re-architect it or saying, oh my God, this process really isn't all that great to begin with. Do you see a lot of folks jumping directly to, you know, just taking what we have and automating it so it's more efficient and, and cheaper, but it's not nearly as as good as it could be. Well, I, I like to answer that because there's there's a lot of analysts and reports out there about bots that break and the failure of RPA to reach scale. There's a ton out there to read about that, and I have a very strong view on that. But I say, regardless of whether you've been successful with RPA or not, and many have not, but even if you have, what next? You're not going to sit back and go, oh, go pat yourself on the back and go on holiday for five years, right? And say, well, we're done. You've got to relook at those processes because that ROI is not there. To, you get it, but that ROI gets eaten up, right? It gets put into the standard budget and then you've got to, you know, you may have to service more customers or you may have a threat for competition, especially with these digital banks and these digital insurance companies coming along that competing with the traditional banks. So intelligent automation, you can start with it and use RPA. Or you could use RPA and come back to it later. But every one of our clients, is, whether they're successful with RPA or not, needs intelligent automation. And that's the depth and breadth of DPA or, or as Gartner calling it hyper automation. I think HFS called intelligent process automation. Whatever the acronym, it's about doing it right now. And the time is now when we've got to automate these processes correctly. And that is the conundrum. The word automate implies automating something as is. Why does the word automate count to building something new? It kind of is an oxymoron. You're not automating it, right? And I think of um, computerization as the automation of the way things were done manually. And RPA is just automating computerization. It's still the way things were built to do what used to be done manually. Digital transformation or intelligent automation is about automating the way to do it properly. Now you can. You couldn't do it that way 10 years ago. The technology was too hard, right? Big project. Now you can build things in days and weeks and months that used to take years, and it's transforming the game for the entire industry in every sector. And you guys did a, a report, I think, towards the end of last year that talked about 
uh, kind of the biggest challenges with creating bots is deploying them, uh, getting them out there and maintaining them. And this is where I think the art, what you guys have put together with X-Ray kind of comes into practice, right? Yeah, so um, a bit like what I was saying before, right? You're automating someone else's UI. So you build a robot, no matter how good, bad, or ugly it is, right? You build it and it works. Maybe it works. It's kind of like I feel good, but sometimes you run away and just hope it keeps working, right? But that's not a strategy. Um, and so you build these robots, but if somebody changes the UI or if it was built not particularly well, even if it was built well and you change the UI, you have an issue. But if it's not particularly built well because the, the underlying application forces you to hack around it, because some of these applications built over the last five, 10 years have got very sophisticated with their UIs, right? They pop things up at random. They, you know, they become really UX experiences for, for consumers, but they're really hard for RPA to navigate. So bots would break a lot. And then, you know, I think one of the analysts says don't automate more than six apps at once. Well, some people got 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 apps in a process, right? So that's easier said than done, but, but they will break. And so, and that's across, and even though I believe we have the best technology, they would still break. If somebody moves something too much or a programmer changed something, someone's got to go back and fix it, right? Yeah. What um, X-Ray does is it actually looks deterministically inside the memory of the computer. And that all stems from our patented Deep Robotics. We started the company in 2005 with Deep Robotics, unlike all the other vendors. So we wouldn't break as often but that we could still break. So what we've done with X-Ray is actually enable the AI or the engine of X-Ray to see all of the attributes of all the underlying objects in memory. And it only uses the identification capability that it knows is gonna be unique, not likely to change. And even if it changes in real time, it can say, hey, listen, there's two objects that now match. I need to find something else that makes it unique. Oh, that'll do. And so it's doing this constant evolution. So most of the time now, not only are you building them very robustly through deep robotics, but most of the time now, if the developer changes something that would typically break a bot, it no longer will break. Now, that's not every time. Listen, if I move the OK button from screen one to screen two, someone's got to go back and build, you know, fix it. That's life. You know, that doesn't happen too often. But, but generally, inside the UI, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies describing how that UI works at an object level. And every RPA vendor drops down to some really technical coding in order to prevent them breaking. But that now becomes a really experienced developer to implement. What we've done is said, we don't need that level of, of um, experience anymore. It will just do it itself. In fact, somebody keep, a few people keep saying, hey, can we see a demo? I'm like, there's now nothing to see. You just start automating the objects on the screen. We'll take care of identifying, making sure it's unique. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And so tongue in cheek a little bit, because behind the scenes, obviously, we're doing a lot of work and we try to show it. But that's really a lot of our IP. And that's where the AI kicks in. It's very powerful. So how much of the uh, maintenance does this take away? I mean, if if things had to be uh, updated monthly, you know, be before X-Ray, how often would somebody have to worry about having this thing up, up to date? So it depends upon the vendor. The different vendors do different things differently. But if I just stick initially to what Peggy used to do, it wouldn't be monthly, right? Well, sometimes it could. I mean, you typically, I always said, don't automate a UI that keeps changing that much. It's just pointless. So it comes a point of no return, right? You just fix it and then come back tomorrow, you've got to fix it again. And, you know, and you can build those kind of controls. And that's the advantage of attended RPA. You didn't have to automate everything. You just automated the stuff that makes sense, right? And the user can, can carry on doing the, the stuff that, that, that wasn't easy. 
But with the um, with the Pega Robotics, it was very robust anyway. So I would say it's probably going to at least maybe 70 percent. And it may in many cases, it may even be 100 percent. It depends how subtle. Right. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't break now if you change if a user just changes his desktop from French to English and the objects change that we, we look at a lower level than the screen resolution. But we see a lot of RPA vendors reverting to OCR to fix things at the object level when they can't see inside that object. Um, and they're all using the standard capabilities like UA automation or SAP GUI or Java Bridge. So they're all using the same technologies. We didn't use those technologies. The other benefit comes right up front. We would have to, you would have to be trained to learn how to match an object uniquely. And every vendor masks this when they do a demo to the analyst or when they do a demo to a customer, they don't show this, they show the happy path. But when you once you start getting into a complex app, you have to learn what is, makes that object unique. And that might be an X path or it might be a, a control ID or it might be something. You have to figure it out. And then if it doesn't work, you come back and mix and match and mix and match. That's a technical developer. A citizen developer or business developer can't get their head around objects. So our product was harder to learn, but you could do a lot with it. We've now taken away. You now don't have to learn that aspect of it. You, you just don't. You literally can start automating. I want to take that object, and when this occurs, I want to do that, and I want to do this. You don't actually have to do any of that. The learning aspect of X-Ray and the self-healing means that the majority of the time, it just does it, and that's a, quite a game changer for RPA. But remember, I even said right at the beginning, even though I have the best RPA technology, a little bit biased, doesn't matter, right? Even if I have the, uh, the best RPA technology, I still don't believe RPA is the right thing to do for all instances. I think it be, it's a bridge, it's a stepping stone. You've got to be looking at intelligent automation. And what we do at Pega is we do two things. One is if you come to us and only want to buy RPA and you don't want to use the rest of Pega, yeah, we'll sell you that. That's fine. But if you buy Pega or one of our Pega apps or a Pega platform, we give you all the bots you need. Why should we charge you for something tactical when you're buying into our digital transformation strategy? So this has been a worry. Now we see Microsoft coming, we've seen IBM, we've seen Appian come in, and they're all bundling RPA, right, in some form or another, or they're charging a bit for it. We bundle it, as I said. So that's now a question on what is really the size of this market. How can RPA be a, what is it, $27 billion market if a year from now, actually, most RPA is just bundled or part of the process, except for the RPA vendors that are going to tell you they're selling lots of them and they're getting a high price for them and they're not breaking. But of course, we know by all the evidence and the reports, RPA is a brittle technology, but it has its place. Really does. Didn't uh, Microsoft just buy an RPA company? They did. Um, never heard of them. WDG, I think it was, which I, look, I've been doing it for 15 years. <laughs> Specifically RPA, right? Even longer for the rest of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know them. We come up against them at this account or at this account. Or that and then Microsoft jumped in and said, oh, this is attended RPA. I, I have no idea what that means to Microsoft. In fact, an unknown piece of history is that we... For the first three years, we partnered with Microsoft with our RPA technology. And before it was called RPA, it's called RDA, right, or desktop automation. And we implemented a large number of clients with them. They implemented some without us. They, they would drop the code more often than we would, and we would just do the visual design, and people would call us to do the visual design. But the Microsoft end of life, that product, around 2008, 2009, I believe, and they moved it into the Dynamics group. So I was actually quite shocked they went and bought something I thought they already had. I suspect maybe, you know, the rumor is they got them quite cheap. So why not? Right. I don't know. I'm making that up. Well, no, the, the I'm not making the rumor up, but it's a rumor. I'd be wrong to say that, that maybe they paid a billion dollars for them. I don't know. Uh, somebody agrees with you here. Why should I charge you for something tactical when you're buying into our digital tech? 
I mean, they're quoting you verbatim. So that's that's always a good thing when you see people doing that. <laughs> hey, listen, I have, I, the people say to me, well, the problem is Pega chose to push this and push that. And push that. No, I don't. I give them a choice. If they deploy RPA, attended RPA or unattended RPA or transformation, I don't mind. It's a choice. We have a, and when you talk about DPA, what's interesting, if you look at DPA or IBPMS or low code, any of those quadrants or waves, not a single RPA vendor exists in them. Not a single pure RPA vendor exists in them. Mm. because they're trying to be RPA vendors turning into intelligent automation companies. But Pegas had 35 years to become an intelligent automation company and it added RPA, like Microsoft, like Appian, et cetera, right? So I think this idea that you can take an RPA platform without a lot of money and time, and God bless them, they're trying, right? I mean, I can't blame you know the other RPA vendors. They're trying to become... But let's see if they ever make it to a, a, a Gartner or a Forrester wave where you're talking about true transformation as opposed to these standalone RPA waves that are pure tactical. That's, you know, that's Francis speaking from the heart. I mean, good luck. <laughs> well, do you think, you know, RPA, the focus on RPA uh, from some companies when it comes to digital transformation, is that just uh, kind of a stepping stone to move over and get to more intelligent automation? It can be. It can be. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, some some companies are desperate to optimize processes and RPA is a great fit. Get it done now. Right. So this is why Pega does sell you RPA. You don't have to use any other part of platform if you don't want to. The fact is, when you buy our RPA, we give you all of the platform to go play with so that you're not just screen scraping or doing UI automation. You may want some of the low code to build some digital processes. You may want some email bots or some chat bots or et cetera. And all you get all that. Right. You get to use it and play with it. But you also have the choice to buy any other part of the, the Pega stack. You can buy the platform or customer service app or a KYC app, and we give you all the RPA you need. So the choices you have is buying RPA from an RPA vendor and then go choose your intelligent automation vendor or hope that the RPA vendor will get to be intelligently automation strategy in the future. And um, we just think that it's easier to have one choice. And I think that's what the other vendors like Microsoft and Appian and, and even SAP have recognized. Just put it in the stack. You can use it if you want it, if you need it. And you may find you don't need it. But that's OK, because we don't charge for it when you buy something else anyway. But the, the bottom line for those kind of companies is they are really looking at true transformation. They're not just looking at what I call digital transition, which is like, you know, taking manual processes and just taking those exact same manual processes and automating them so way without changing them at all or not even trying to make them better. Uh, but, and you see a lot of companies saying that's their definition of transformation is just making it, you know, automating stuff to make it more efficient and cheaper. But most people are, you see in most enterprises, they're, they're truly focused on transformational aspects, using intelligent automation, trying to figure out not just to replicate, you know, manual process and make them uh, automated, but truly seeing how they can leverage this new technology to create things that they couldn't have done before and never even thought about doing before. So, Brent, one of the dichotomies of all of this was the money that came into all the RPA vendors enabled them to tell the world that this was the best thing since sliced bread and you don't need anything else. Just go automate. And to the business buyer, that was like, that was music to their ears because they didn't have to turn to IT, apparently, although they did in the end. <laughs> you don't have to turn to IT. Your business person could just go build bots. And some have been successful, not like not like massive amounts. I think it's 8% get to scale if you count 50 bots as scale. And there are some customers that have 500 or 1,000, and that's all fine, right? 
but they're fewer and far, further between. And so the problem is, I think what we've seen over the last two, three, four years is massive amount of money come into it. That that money continued to push this evangelism that, that the RPA is more than the best thing since sliced bread. It's the second coming, right? I mean, it's it's just miraculous. But we're now seeing the tail end of that. It's like when a storm comes through, you know, and the sun shines. We're seeing that come through and we're seeing people looking at the other end go, wow. That was a heavy storm. I now need to look elsewhere to actually truly digitally transform. RPA has its place, and we've got some massively successful customers with RPA. But since the acquisition of Pega, those customers are also looking wider. And it and it and it, and it also becomes departmental. If I've got a team of 100 people and I'm a business lead and I just need to optimize and get 20 people automated or a percentage of the 100 automated or whatever it might be, why not try it? The problem is someone's got to support it. There's a maintenance cost. There's a breakage cost. You've, not, you've still, it's a tax, right? And then there's the cost of the bots. So I think we're seeing a, really the, the people that started four or five years ago are definitely reaching that cycle where they're going, all right, no more bots. We've done all we can. Those people typically turn to what next? And that's hopefully a digital transformation to a platform like Pega or you know, low code or whatever it might be. But you've still got a few at the front end. And those front end tend to be much smaller companies. If you look at some of the RPA vendors now, the number of bots they're selling, I mean, their average deal size must be, you know, based upon their revenue and their customer accounts, their average deal size must be like 15 to 20K, right? I mean, so what, three or four bots or five bots? It's just, that's not really, you know, we, you and I are not really here to talk about, you know, the thousands of small companies, you know, the, the, the there's thousands of big companies who are truly doing digital transformation and or not using RPA or, or using it successfully. But it's a mix, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's the same with AI. When somebody, was it two years ago, I think, Brent, somebody said, oh, we're now going to have intelligent RPA. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I've now actually made our RPA intelligent with this self-healing learning, but let's not forget the fact we're automating someone else's UI that we pay humans to interact with. The level of, you know, look at your home central heating system and a Nest thermostat. It's not that smart, is it? I mean, you know, great. You can figure out when you wake up and when you go, what's it been doing in COVID? It's like nobody's leaving the house. <laughs> I don't know what a Nest thermostat is made of COVID. <laughs> can somebody go to bed so I can figure out when to turn the heat down? <laughs> Dude, I'm not supposed to be laughing as hard as I am now. But this, Sorry. This, no, this is great. So, well, let me ask you one one last kind of, I guess, you know, decent question here. Um, uh, so has COVID changed people's, uh, I've seen where it's accelerated people's need to go through the digital transformation process. But how much has it changed what they think of digital transformation? Uh, because some people, you know, look at it one way, uh, maybe before COVID, maybe it was because they wanted to kind of just do certain things. They were kind of looking at it at this and has COVID opened it up to digital transformation is more like this. And they know they have more to do because customers are expecting different things. And because, you know, this situation has made certain things more important than, you know, like overnight more people were buying groceries online because they couldn't get out and so that you know businesses have changed because of huge behavioral changes that customers had to go through are you seeing companies look at digital transformation differently and if so does that uh does that difference make them more dependent or provide more opportunity for intelligent automation 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, I could just say yes, and then we could end the conversation. <laughs> but let me, let me explain what I mean by that. And, ab okay. and, it, and it's not just complex, you know, you're paying people to sit, come in at work every day and sit at their desk and, and work through those processes, right? So two things happened. One is everybody was forced to work from home and you have to try to figure out how those processes and collaboration was going to work. But also the volumes went up significantly. I mean, not just the numbers of people, companies applying for these um, these loans, but, you know, healthcare companies and tracking and, you know, the whole thing went off. The, and I think what happened is all of the senior management just went, we can't, if, we, if we're in this position again, if there was another again, God forbid we are, we can't, we can't even react to this properly. You know, what was it? Something like eight day wait times or 30 day wait times on some call times. I mean, the call volumes were massive. And so this idea that we've been moving kind of, indirectly and directly online anyway. I mean, I don't go into my bank, I've been into my bank for years. I don't even walk into a, a mobile phone store, you know, but many people do and the businesses have to continue to support that. So this shift forced them to provide a much better digital experience to deal with volume and putting RPA, which is designed and applications that were designed for a particular type of volume, Putting RPA on the front of that and saying, oh, we're going to make this a, a self-service portal through a chatbot and have RPA in between. I'm telling you, that's not where you want to be going. But people did do that. And there was some great quick wins, like in healthcare, you know, taking on the number of patients or, 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 or testing. And, you know, but pretty much most of the RPA through COVID was around, um, you know, batch-like processes, you know, lots of spreadsheets, rekeying, data entry, et cetera. But those processes wouldn't exist if you digitize them. You know, why should you still be receiving some of these documents? And there was one particular bank, the Bavarian bank. It was a very manual process. It was still the old days. You go into a bank, you'd fill out a form and somebody would rekey it. Well, how do you do that in a, in a you know, applying for a, a loan when you're not allowed to leave your house, let alone visit the bank? And the bank people aren't there because they're at home too. So we actually digitize some of these processes, back to my point, in days and weeks. Took that process that was entirely manual from scratch and built a process that meant it could be done from home, it could be done efficiently, it integrated with your back-end systems, and you've now got a digital process done right without the band-aids in between. And that itself, those successes have been um, uh, sort of like um, uh, being pushed through the industry and people going, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And this has been a lot of that. I didn't know you could do that. And so digital transformation is waking people up to this low-code, movement right orchestration of work digital transformation building apps quickly digitizing processes and the people that were so adamant that rpa would really help and it has helped don't get me wrong it has helped realize that maybe for the same amount of money or even less and for less overhead you can actually digitize those processes if we can digitize a loan process taking the human walking into the bank and the bank uh, uh, agent being in the bank out of the way in less than two weeks i'm telling you there's a lot of processes out there that are right for that Francis, this has been great, man. I, I I didn't know if I was gonna enjoy talking about robotic process automation as much as I have. So I appreciate you making it actually really interesting and kind of fun too. I'll even put it to that level. But this has been great. Where can people go to learn more about like some of the stuff we just talked about? Uh, I think if you search for Pega and X-ray now, we've got so much kudos. There's so much. Uh, it's been traveling around the globe. I'm literally getting multiple uh, 
requests to talk about this and to go into deeper dives, et cetera. So just go to pega.com and you can check out all the intelligent automation. I think there's a big thing that we're pushing right now, which is a center out methodology where you actually start looking, instead of trying to build a process and think, oh, I can never do that. Start looking and breaking that process down and building, just quickly building digital processes and then figure out how you connect them and what the UI looks like. So pega.com is the place to go. Or just search for pega and RPA and X-Ray, you'll find it. And by the way, I have one question for you. Your washing's nearly ready behind you. That looks like a tumble dryer from here. <laughs> that, that is my famous uh, fan. Everybody has a comment. They used to think that I was trying to hypnotize people. So I just let the fan play and then let them stare at it. And then I would start asking them questions that they would have Ooh. to be truthful. Uh, Joe Knightley stuff, you know, because you were half covering it, it just yeah. looked like your washing yeah, yeah. would go around in a tumble dryer. <laughs> I was at a laundry mark. <laughs> it never fails. It's an attention grabber. It, otherwise, it would just be a very plain background, man. I can't. I got to have something. To no, it's fun. This has been good. I've enjoyed it, too. And anytime, uh, love, love, love speaking to you. Absolutely, man. Thanks again. And have a great rest of the day and stay safe and healthy down there. Did I, my friend.